0: to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the aging of Moses, as we pick up in Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 1. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck.
1: Lord, I'd love to see the land. Let me go in, Lord. I want to see you, you know, smite the enemies there. I want to see the people. And the Lord said to Moses, let it suffice thee. Don't speak to me anymore of this matter. Moses, don't talk to me about it. You can't go. Now, here's a case where God did not answer Moses' prayer In the affirmative. He answered the prayer, he said no. And God always answers prayer. Sometimes the answers are yes, sometimes the answers are no. But this is the case where Moses' request was not granted by God in order that God might teach the nation the importance of obedience. And in the years to come, as the Jewish mothers would hold their babies upon their laps and tell them the glorious stories of how God used a man by the name of Moses, who as a child was protected by God and taken out of the bulrushes by the princess of the land of Egypt when it was ordered that all of the children should die, and how he grew up in the Pharaoh's court and how he made his decision to align himself with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And how God brought through him the plagues upon the Egyptians and spoiled the Egyptians, and how he led the people out of Egypt and out of their bondage, and how the Red Sea was parted by the rod that he lifted, and how God brought the water out of the rock, and then their voices would hush. And with whispered tones they would say, but Moses was not allowed by God to fulfill the dream of his life and to go into the land because he failed to properly represent God. He disobeyed God at the waters of strife, Mirabah. And it became a lesson deeply embedded upon the minds of the nation of the importance of obedience unto God. And thus, for the sake of a nation, God withheld the desire of a man. God said, look, don't talk to me about this again. The answer has been given. But charge Joshua, encourage him and strengthen him for he shall go over before this people and he shall cause them to inherit the land which thou shalt see. So we abode in the valley over against Beth-peor. So God said to Moses, you can't go in but I will let you go up to the top of Mount Pisgah and there you can look over the land. From Pisgah, just take a look at the land that I've promised. And then you charge Joshua and encourage Joshua and strengthen him because he will lead the people in. Now therefore, Moses is now making application. Now therefore, hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and to the judgments which I teach you to do them that ye may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given to you. For ye shall not add unto the word which I commanded, neither shall ye diminish from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. So the forbidden to add or to take away from the commandments, from the word that God had spoken through Moses. When we get to the book of Revelation, again, there is a prohibition to adding to or taking away from the words of that prophecy. It is interesting how people like to mess around with the word of God. Adding or taking away. But that is something that we have been forbidden to do. Not to add or to diminish from that which God has declared. Behold, he said, I've taught you the statutes and judgments that the Lord commanded me. Now keep them and do them, for this is your wisdom and understanding. For what nation is there that is so great Who hath a God that is so near to them, as the Lord our God is in all of the things which we call upon him for? For what nation is there so great that has the statutes and judgments that are so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? Only take heed to yourself and to keep thy soul diligently, lest you forget the things which your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart All the days of thy life But teach them to your sons And to your sons' sons Teach them to your children To your grandchildren These commandments These statutes There's no nation in all the world That has had the privileges That we have had God being so near to them And giving them such a righteous law And then he speaks about How that the law came There on Mount Horeb Or Mount Sinai Horeb And and how that The people were fearful because of the thunder and the lightning. And Moses said, Now you heard the words, but you did not see any similitude, only you heard a voice. And the voice declared unto you the covenant, and he commanded you to perform the Ten Commandments. He wrote them on two tables of stones. Verse 15 Take ye therefore good heed unto yourselves. For you saw no manner of similitude on the day that the Lord spake unto you in Horeb, in the midst of the fire, lest you would corrupt yourselves and make you a graven image. The similitude of any figure, the likeness of any male or female the likeness of any beast that is on the earth, the likeness of any winged fowl that flies in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the waters beneath the earth, unless thou lift up thine eyes into heaven, when you see the sun and the moon and the stars and the host of heaven, and you be driven to worship them. Now he points out the fact that when they heard the voice of God, they didn't see any form at all. Deliberately so. For God did not want them making any kind of a representative likeness of God. Now, in all of the nations around them, they had all of their little carvings, all of their little idols that were representing their gods. Some of them were female idols with multi-breast. Some of them were male-type idols. Some of them were weird wings. Some of them looked like fish. Some of them looked monstrous, gargoyle kind. This is God. This is what God looks like. He said, not so. God doesn't want you making any graven image. God doesn't want you making any kind of a representative likeness of him. It's not to be done. Now, there is a compelling force within man to worship. It's a part of human nature. And here... He has said, lest when you look at the stars and the moon and the host of heaven that you be driven to worship them. There is something within man that drives him to worship. You've got to worship something. It's like Bob Dylan says, you've got to serve somebody. And that's true. You're driven to serve somebody. There's a driving, compelling force for you to serve somebody. Somebody. And it is always tragic when men leave the worship and serving of the true and the living God, the creator and the sustainer of the universe and all life and life forms. And they begin to make a likeness of God, like a man or like a woman or like an animal. And they begin to bow down and worship these little likenesses. They begin to offer their prayers before these likenesses. There's something within man that compels him to worship. But God doesn't want you worshiping before any altar. When the woman of Samaria said unto Jesus, Our fathers say that we're to worship God in this mountain. You say that we're to worship Him in Jerusalem. Where do we worship God? Jesus said the day is coming and now is when they that worship God will neither worship him in this mountain nor in Jerusalem, for God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, and God is seeking such to worship him. God cannot be localized, nor should we try to make any kind of a representation of God. I personally have great problems with any pictures of Christ, I really don't care for them. That's personal. That's with me. That's something personal. I'm not telling you to go home and get rid of all the pictures. It's just something personal within me. I don't care for any pictures of Christ. God didn't want man making any kind of representation of himself. So they heard the voice, but they didn't see any likeness. They didn't see any form, lest he would create some form and begin to worship it. Men are driven to worship. Furthermore, the Lord was angry with me. He said, for your sakes. And he swore that I should not go over Jordan, that I should not go in unto the good land which the Lord God gives to you for an inheritance. But I must die in this land, and I must not go over Jordan, but you shall go over and possess the good land. For your sakes. You see, Moses recognizes that it was for their sakes that God was sticking to his word. Take heed to yourselves, lest you forget the covenant. Now the danger of forgetting, the peril of forgetting, which God made with you. And you make a graven image or a likeness of anything that the Lord thy God has forbidden you. For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. And people say, oh, there we go. The Old Testament concept of God, a consuming fire, a jealous God. The book of Hebrews in the New Testament declares, For our God is a consuming fire. It is interesting that fire is used as a figure for God, Because what can you say about fire? It's everywhere. The scientists have a word, aromachasis, which refers to the slow-burning fire of nature. And it's everywhere. It's in all of the material universe. There is that slow-burning fire, which is gradually destroying everything we no sooner put this building up. Before we got the last nail in, the slow-burning fire had begun to deteriorate it. Before we could cover the roof with the roofing materials, some of the nail heads began to oxidize. What was it? Slow-burning fire of nature. It's everywhere. Isaiah records how that at one time the Assyrians had invaded the land And the people called upon the Lord And an angel of the Lord went through the camp of the Assyrians And in one night destroyed 185,000 frontline fighting troops And when the children of Israel woke up in the morning And looked out upon the camp of the Assyrians There were nothing but corpse And it said, and fear gripped the hearts of the sinners in Zion terror took hold on the hypocrites and they said who among us can dwell in the devouring fire they saw the fire of God and its effect upon their enemies and a fear gripped their hearts they said who amongst us and the word dwell can also be translated approach or flee from the devouring fire And in reality, there's no place that you can flee from the presence of God. If I ascend into heaven, thou art there. If I descend into hell, thou art there. And the same fire of God that that burns in heaven is the same fire of God that burns in hell. It isn't who can escape it, who can flee from it. In reality, you are in the fire of God. You can't escape it. The question is, what is it doing to you? And that all depends on what you are. For you see, fire can, in the case of steel, transmit into permanency as it is forged in the fire, tempered by the fire, transmitting it into permanency. But that same fire can absolutely destroy and consume a piece of wood The Bible says that our works are one day going to be tried by fire. And some of our works, like wood, hay, and stubble, are just going to go up and smoke. Those that can endure, those that are last through the fire, you'll be rewarded for. Our God is a consuming fire. Our God is a jealous God. Very interesting figure that is used of God. But... Let's jump down for a moment to verse 31. For the Lord thy God is a merciful God, and He will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers which He swore unto them. Yes, He's a consuming fire. And those enemies of God shall be destroyed by that consuming fire. Consuming is just a qualifying word. And that is a word that qualifies really the enemies of God, that which the fire will do to the enemies of God. But that same fire transmits us into permanency because from us it consumes the dross and the impurities of our life. It's the refining fire of God burning within our hearts. Consuming dross, transmitting into permanency. So when you beget your children and children's children, and you shall have remained a long time in the land. Now this is almost a prophecy. He lapses into a a, a prophetic thing here. So in generations to come, your children's children all, you're in the land, they're going to start making graven images. You shall do evil in the sight of the Lord your God and you'll provoke him to anger. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that ye shall soon utterly perish from off the land whereunto you are going over Jordan to possess it. And ye shall not prolong your days upon it but shall utterly be destroyed and the Lord shall scatter you among the nations and ye shall be left few in number among the heathen whether the Lord shall lead you. And so here he is prophesying the failure of the nation and of the fact that they would be driven out of the land and dispersed into all the world. And yet you will be left, though few in number. The remnant. Now, the interesting miracle of history is that even though the Jews were driven from the land, as was prophesied here, yet they were left a nation, they were left an ethnic group of people, and this is unparalleled in history. No other ethnic group has been able to maintain a national identity without a homeland, outside of the Jew. And yet they have maintained that national identity. And then, there you will serve the gods, the work of men's hands, of wood and stone and so forth, and when you are in tribulation, and these things come upon you, even in the latter days, if thou shalt turn to the Lord, and thou shalt be obedient to His voice, for the Lord thy God is a merciful God, He will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of your fathers. For ask now of the days that are past. Look back in your history books he is saying. And see, since God created man upon the earth, whether there has been any such thing as this great thing or has been heard like it, did ever the people hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of fire as you have heard and still lived? Or has God ever taken a nation like he has taken you from another nation by the great signs and all that he brought against the Egyptians? And made you to hear his voice. And because he loved your fathers, therefore he chose their seed after them. Now, he said he didn't do this because of your greatness or because of your goodness, but because of his love for your fathers. To drive out the nations and to give you a land. Know therefore this day, consider it in your heart, that the Lord, he is the God of heaven above, And upon the earth beneath, there is none else. And so again, the exhortation to keep his statutes and commandments. Now, they appointed the three cities of refuge that should be on the east bank of the Jordan River where those who were guilty of manslaughter could uh, could flee and be protected from the manslayer.
0: We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Deuteronomy on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Deuteronomy 9 through 10 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription.
1: with his love, with his spirit, with his grace, that you might show forth that grace of God in your dealings with others, that you might manifest the spirit, the nature of Jesus Christ in your relationship with others, that you might walk even as he walked in Jesus' name.
0: This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California.
2: As I look around for a godly example of what a Christian woman should be, I see a lot of women who are concerned about what they look like. But rarely do I see a woman who desires the reflection of Jesus Christ. For this very reason, Kay Smith has written a book for women entitled Reflecting God. Kay teaches women godly attributes, such as how to be joyful when things aren't going so great, or how to be sincere when praying for others or inspiring them, or how to nurture and influence the people God has placed around you. As Kay teaches God's attributes, women will begin to have the mind of Christ, and as this starts to happen within you, outwardly you will become a reflection of God to a world that desperately needs Him. For more information on how to order the book Reflecting God by Kay Smith, as well as an optional study guide to lead a women's Bible study, visit thewordfortoday.org to see a preview of this book. Or call us at 800-272-WORD.